preach on the Trinity, it would have been a good weekend to delegate the deacon, but here we go. So, why is this the preacher's nightmare? Because how do we explain this? There's only one God, but the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and yet there's only one God. This mystery that is mind-boggling. We can't fully understand this. And not only this, but we can start to ask, well, okay, what does the Holy Trinity really have to do with my life? What are the practical implications of this? Well, the Catechism of the Catholic Church states that the Trinity is the central mystery of the Christian faith and of the Christian life, which means this dogma is foundational and actually has enormous implications for our lives. I think a lot of them we take for granted. First of all, this Feast of the Holy Trinity reminds us that God is a personal God. That we can relate to God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So God isn't like some cosmic energy or an impersonal force. We don't say the force be with you. We don't believe in a Star Wars God. But we actually believe God is personal. Which means we can have a personal relationship with God. Now this sounds so basic, but Sherry Waddell in her book, Forming an Intentional Disciple, said, when asked, 50% of Catholics said, I don't have a personal relationship with God. We are called into personal relationship with God so we can talk to God. We can listen to God. We can spend time with God. We can actually have a friendship with God. This is the first good news of Trinity Sunday. We're called into relationship. I think, too, we perhaps as Christians just kind of take it for granted that we can actually call God our Father. I watched this little video from Dr. Scott Hahn where he was having, he was going to have an upcoming debate with a Muslim scholar and he was having breakfast with this Muslim scholar and he mentioned, well, God is our Father and the Muslim scholar banged his fist on the table and said, you blasphemed. How can you call God Father? You're attributing to God mere human ideas. We take it for granted that we can call God Father. And in fact, God is the source of all fatherhood. And any human fatherhood is only a participation in the one fatherhood of God. In just a few minutes here in the Mass, we say, before we pray the Our Father, at the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father. We dare to call God Father. That we mere human beings can actually address God as our Father who loves us and who wants to provide everything for us. And what is the implication then for our lives that God is our Father we can have a personal relationship with Him? The implication is that we are His children. This is huge. To illustrate this point, I want to show you this beautiful icon, probably the most famous icon of the Holy Trinity, painted about 600 years ago by Andrei Rublev. He was a Russian monk. 
And so God is a community of love. God is a family. And he's inviting us into his family to be his children. And so most theologians would say, okay, the figure on the left of the icon is God the Father. In the middle is God the Son. And on the right is God the Holy Spirit. They're sitting around a table. And in the middle is a chalice of sacrifice. So imagine the conversation that God the Father ponders, who is willing to go? Whom can I send to sacrifice their life for the salvation of the world? And God the Son says, send me. I'm willing to give up everything. I'm willing to die for the salvation of the world. And God the Holy Spirit bows his head and says, let it be so. And so this is the gospel we hear on this Trinity Sunday, that God the Father so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Yes, we still often focus on what God saves us from. He saves us from sin. He saves us from death. But also God saves us for something. He saves us for life, for family. For becoming a child of God. Do you notice in the icon, there is a chair in the front of the table because God wants to invite us into his life. To share the very Trinitarian life, to be partakers of the divine nature. How do we take our place at the table? It's through our baptism that our sin is washed away and we become children of God. We become partakers of the divine nature and share in the very life of the most holy trinity. This is huge news for us. That we are meant to be part of God's family. There's no accident that the church is called to be a family that we, though many and diverse and many, we're called to be one because the church is the image who God is. The church is the image of the Trinity. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, and we are called into relationship. The Holy Trinity reminds us that we are made for relationship, that God in his very inner life is a community of love, and so we too are called into relationship with God and one another. We're made for relationships. I told the kids on the last day of school, I said, look, children, we're not made to bond with technology. We're not made to bond with a phone or an iPad or a computer game. We're actually made for real-life, in-person relationships. Not through social media. We've got to almost teach our kids today how to relate in a human way. And this is what we're made for. This is what this feast reminds us of. God is love, a community of love, and we too are called into communion. We've heard Father Edwards say multiple times, in one word, hell is isolation. And in one word, heaven is communion. How do we take our place at the table with the Trinity? It's right here. We enter into communion with our God. We're gathered together as a family. I want to make just one last point in closing about this piece of the Holy Trinity. What is the most visible sign in the world 
of the Trinity. It's the most visible sign of who God is. It's marriage and family life. I tell our eighth graders this, that, okay, think about the inner life of God for a moment, where God the Father empties himself totally in love for the Son. The Son returns his love totally to the Father, and the love between the Father and the Son is a person. It's the Holy Spirit. So where in the world do we see that the love of two persons is a person? It's in marriage, where the husband empties himself totally in love for his bride, and the wife, in turn, gives herself totally in love for her husband. And the love between husband and wife is so powerful, it has the potential of becoming a new life through the procreation of children. So you have three. The husband, the wife, children, and yet one family. This is why the church defends marriage between a man and a woman, because it is the image of who God is. And this is why the devil wants to destroy marriage. Mary told Sister Lucia that the final battle would be over marriage and the family between God and Satan, that the devil wants to destroy marriage. And this is what's happening culturally as we're seeing a breakdown and destruction of marriage. Look, I'm not married. There are religious sisters here who aren't married. There are single people here. There's divorced people. There's widows, widowers. But all of us, no matter our state of life, we all have a vested interest in supporting marriage. Because it is the foundation of the family. And St. John Paul said, as the family goes, so goes the nation. Wow, this feast has huge implications for our lives. It means that God is personal. We can have a relationship with the Lord. This is good news. And that God wants to invite us into his very life. To be his children. To share in the Trinitarian life. To be partakers of the divine nature. He calls us together as a family to image who he is as church. And then... We celebrate today that this visible image of who he is is lived out in our world through marriage and family life. And so we support marriage in our culture.